have to kind of consider um, everyone's there's so many people that you could class as a comedian with the likes of social media with TikTok with Instagram with Facebook that traditional live scene although it's still there it's it's not the number one um, you know kind of intake for this stuff people aren't going to shows all the time they're watching it on their phones I'd love to create like a series that is fu- fully done on, like kind of like Lemmy's Homemade Show, mm. but a bit more adapted to the online market. I, I think for me, if, okay, if it was if it was about career in five years' time, I would like to not be doing another job. I would like to have had a sitcom out. Hello, I'm Mark, and this is from the podcast studio Glasgow, a podcast recorded right here in the podcast studio Glasgow and you can learn more about the studio and how you can hire it and rent it out for your podcast production needs at podcaststudioglasgow.com On this episode I'm joined in the studio by Gregor Mackay who is a Scottish actor and comedian So you went to school on the south side? Yeah How come? Uh, Well so it was kind of it was was more that it was also it was a small school that I went to and my mum and dad were like all right you'll get more one-on-one education which I needed because I really struggled with things like basic writing and spelling and latterly found out I was very dyslexic so that was kind of why that was the right place to go at the time but I think your parents think they're doing it to to help out and then latterly they realised that I wanted to be a comedian anyway so 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 Interesting. So, I mean, in terms of your comedy now, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 25. Right, so in terms of your comedy now as a 25-year-old, do you have any inkling on what would be different about your comedy if you'd gone to a state school? I think I probably... Because some of the dynamic with the with the, the comedy, the, with the approach that I take is to kind of make fun out of social interactions that I've experienced... But also like with quite like an outlandish approach in some of it, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It gets a little bit artsy, fancy. Um that's a really good question. I've never actually thought about that. I think it, it, it probably would have been different. I, I, yeah. I probably wouldn't have had like an out I think I've had quite an outsider approach to Scottish comedy. Okay. Uh, in some ways. So maybe maybe that's what Because yeah. it's not it's not to say you're not working class, right? Yeah. Okay. So you went to that school because of your dyslexia? One of the reasons. One of the yeah. reasons, right, okay. So if you'd gone to a state school you know, you maybe would have had a different approach to, to comedy, but traditionally in Scotland, comedy has been working class. So I'm thinking Billy Conley, Shipyards, I'm talking about guys that, you know, in, in the 30s and the 40s would have been doing the working men's clubs, yep, refining yep. their act and that type of thing. Um, it's not like that anymore, is it? No, it's totally different. I think it's, you've got to be respectful to that as well. And you have to kind of consider um, everyone's, there's so many people that you could class as a comedian with the likes of social media, with TikTok, with Instagram, with Facebook, that traditional live scene, although it's still there, it's it's not the number one, um, you know, kind of intake for this stuff. People aren't going to shows all the time. They're watching it on their phones. So the idea of a traditional comedian has changed and therefore the barriers of which <coughs> they were from. So like Scottish comedy, the whole thing's just it's, it's gone wild. Is. I mean, from what I can tell, and I don't think I'm the target demographic for a lot of it, but what I can tell, TikTok is, has changed. It's, I don't know if it's saying changed the game too strong, I don't know, but um, it certainly opened the doors to a lot more comedians. Would you agree? Well, for myself, absolutely, yeah. Right. Yeah, it has. It's totally... Um, 
at the end of the day, if you're trying, if you're doing live stuff and you're trying to sell tickets, the best way to do that is to have marketable online content that people can be like, oh, they're interesting. Mm. But then your your live stuff is different to an extent that they're like, oh, I like that video. I wonder what they're like in person. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you're just trying to market yourself um, in different ways, and the internet is brilliant for that. So, so with you know you you grown up in the age of the internet where that was like literally. A, in, in your fingertips, you didn't need to get a, an agent or go through some sort of booking process to land yourself gigs, etc. So it's interesting because I was I was kind of on the cusp of all this because right. twenty five in school, people started getting. Uh, it wasn't even iPhones; it was iPods. People were having them iPod touches about thirteen years old, fourteen. Mm. So I was kind of <clears> near the end of when I was leaving school. I think some people were only just kind of getting like. I mean that moved really quickly like technology moved super quick and I think 3G when I left school it was that we had for the internet so there wasn't really like a huge presence of it while I was at school Mm -hmm. but it was getting there Um, so I did go down the traditional route I went and studied acting and then I got an agent and I started kind of trying to graft that scene for a while and then it was actually over lockdown that when I kind of really realised the power of the internet I mean we used it before for the sketch group but over lockdown, everybody was on their phones yeah. and everybody was paying attention to it. And yeah, the views were just because people were there, they were watching. Exactly. And, and there was no sort of other outlet. You know, if you yeah. wanted to catch something funny, you couldn't just, you couldn't go down to the stand because it was shut. No, exactly. Yeah. So, so I guess then for you and for um, the guys that you perform with, which we'll talk about, lockdown, did it change the game? Is it one of those situations? I think it did. Yeah. I mean, before that, we were a four piece. Right. Um, did COVID kill one of the guys? Or <sighs> no, no, so no, it, <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't. But it, it kind of it already died before that. Um, as a as a four, we kind of we lost. It's hard when you're doing any, any. I always say this to anybody who asks about kind of business side of it. It's it's like if if you're gonna if you're passionate about anything and you want to do it as a collaborative experience, make sure that the people that you're doing it with also have a shared idea of what it is that you want. Because sooner or later, other things will get in the way. Yeah. Life, and, and we all know that, experiences and, and whatnot. But that's just what happened. Somebody just couldn't... Their idea of it had changed from what, what the rest of us wanted. And I think, naturally, you've just got to kind of... It's, it's always hard when you work with mates. Because you've right. got to separate the two. You've got yeah. to separate the business from the from the friendship. And I think that was, that was difficult. And then um, it didn't work out. And then we were like, okay, we'll, we'll try this as a three-piece. Then lockdown hit. So it totally changed it for us. We thought we were done for a while. And then just kind of naturally, we're just like, we, we can't stop the creative bone. So we just started doing videos online and mm. that's kind of how it kept kept going. Okay, so let's talk about the three-piece then. Um, do you want to give me a wee bit about you know the, the, the origins of the name and yeah, know, yeah, yeah. The, the history? So um, so Ouija Hinky That, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the name and it's, uh, it's now... Was four is now three members. We all met at uni for a shared love of being from Glasgow, but we lived in Edinburgh. Now the kind of whole gimmick behind it is that we're all from. <laughs> only one of us is strictly from Glasgow, and that's me, and I'm from Giffnock. So the whole pistic. Oh, can I say that? Am I allowed yeah, to say that? Should be okay. So the whole the whole gimmick the whole gimmick of the the kind of name and stuff was that I was from Giffnock. One of the boys is from Yoker. The other one was from Cumbernauld. And the one who's still in it, um, he is from Coatbridge. So it was a shared love for the patter. 
but it was always funny that I was technically the only one who was actually from Glasgow. Yeah. So we, we kind of use that in the shows and we don't hide from it. I think it's really funny to talk about. Um, so that's kind of where it started. It started from us just being mates and having a joke about all that stuff. And uh, we got presented with an opportunity to do the Edinburgh Fringe uh, whilst we were at uni. And traditionally, it was like, go and do a play, bring a play at the Fringe. And I, as much as I like that idea, I was kind of like, if I'm a punter, if I'm thinking from the perspective of a punter, what does really well, what comedy always does really well. So I think we thought, oh, why don't we just, we're so naive, we're like, oh, we'll just, we'll just write a show, thinking it would be the easiest thing in the world to do. So I went and I wrote a show, I'd never written sketches before in my life. And then um, that's kind of, it was weird. I, th- I think I, in, a, in the space of a night, I'd written like 12 sketches and I'd put it together and in the space of like, yeah, an evening. Where really did strange. that come from? I have no idea. Because as I said, I really struggle with writing. Um, I've got the imagination for it, and when I get when I get down to it, I can. It's almost as if I always feel like I can visualize. I feel like I'm watching t- the way I've described it before is I feel like I'm watching TV, and I'm just writing down what I see mm. in front of me. I can't plan too much. I feel like if I plan an idea too much, I'll lose it. So I kind of just have to see the characters or see the people I imagine in it, and then I'll write. And that's kind of how it, it all came about. What's the what's the process of going to the fringe like? Because, I mean, obviously it's a big international attraction, yeah, but I would imagine it's brutal for performers. Yeah, it's stressful. It's this, there's a lot of background that goes into it, a lot of, a lot of um, behind-the-scenes work that people forget about. Hiring a theatre for a month is no cheap venture, and especially when you have no guarantee that you're going to make profit back. So when we started out, we, we did free fringe... Uh, which I think still is going. I think it's still going strong. So they give you a venue and you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know how many seats it's going to be, any of that stuff. Um, and we were lucky enough that we were just right next to Edinburgh Waverley train station. Oh, that's ideal then. It was ideal for the yeah. first one. And we did six <clears> shows <throat> there. At the time, it was called the Black Market. And uh, we did six shows, sold out the entire thing, had queues going like down the door. And the only reason that they were kind of going as far as they did is because it was free and secondly the Glasgow trains were every 15 minutes so we had the genius idea of planting ourselves for like three hours on the run up to it just handing out these free flyers for our show and it just it worked so that was that was going to be my next question is how do you go about marketing a show and I know that the old traditional way at the fringe is literally working the pavements yep. with, with, with leaflets so I take it that's what you did it's what we did but it's a different game now I hope. I think predominantly most of it will be online this year. Really, most of the sale. I think there there will be a lot of street work still because I think um, they've got the go ahead for that because we'll need to be doing that. But um, I think predominantly most people will find that their sales will be coming from online. Right. People are just stepping up their marketing. Yeah. Because um, you just never know. You could be halfway through the fringe run and they've said, right, we're going to have to go back to distancing, or you know, just don't want to take the risk. Mm. So. Um, and also, it's it's the impact that it's taken on people. Everyone's on their phones now. Mm. So yeah. even when they are at Fringe, the whole interaction aspect of it is going to be a bit different. It's not going to be what it was like Interesting. two, three years ago. Yeah. So you kind of need to make it as easy as possible. Like I think we've all got uh, QR codes now on the posters or the leaflets. Mm. So, And it kind of defeats the point of having a leaflet if you're asking them to then take their yep. phone out and buy their tickets. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But that's how, you, that's how you get them. So it's a kind of, it's a sort of, hybrid way of marketing isn't it, it is, yeah. sort of face-to-face traditional but also try to push stuff online yeah. what, what 
I mean, what's it like trying to stand out with comedy on busy social networks like TikTok, for example? It's weird. I never, I never, because I never thought it would it would happen quite in the way that it did at the time. I guess the one piece of advice when asked that sort of stuff is just make sure you enjoy it. Make sure it's something you enjoy doing. Because there are a lot of people who are really trying to stand out. And you can notice that sometimes. And I'm sure people would say that about me okay. or about the boys. So I think it's just important that if it's something that you really enjoy doing, which for me is comedy, you kind of just have to hope that sooner or later it will it will build up its own progress. Mm. So put I'd say put more of the effort into actually how you want the particular thing that it is that you're doing to be the best you think it can be and then let it take care of itself because the algorithm you'll never work out. No, and it changes all the time anyway yeah. for that reason because people are trying to work it out. Exactly, and people try and make videos to, to fit in with trends as well. You see yeah. a lot of that. I never did that, and I'm sure if I did try and do that, maybe I would have, you know, could have gotten bigger at points, but it's. I think it's important to just, yeah, whatever whatever niche you think you've got, just be more happy about the videos rather than the views it's getting. Because mm. if you can turn back and go, that was great content, then it's, you know, it's worthwhile. It's stuff I regret having done for that reason, just to keep the algorithm going. Yeah. You did the guitar gesture there, take it, it was a song. Oh, loads of them. I used to do, I used to get people to like send me requests and I would sit and I'd write a song and I cringe watching some of it back now because I'm like it's like a height of lockdown I was really bored I was you know I was working and then I needed something to do and I was just looking back on it like I would never let this see the light of day yeah, now Yeah. and some of it as well because you're on your own I think the thing that I was talking to my mate about this the other day it didn't feel like anyone was real so I would see all these comments or the views go up and I didn't feel like real people because I was stuck inside. So I'd make videos sometimes that might have been questionable at the time and I might have been like, why did I why did I do that? Looking back on it with a different sense uh, or a different idea of how I want things to go. Like, why? <laughs> do you leave them up? I've taken some down. Right. The super cringe ones. Yeah. The cringe ones and also, it's a learning experience and you need to do that. But I've taken down cringe ones before and I've also taken ones down before that I've thought might be on the nose and it, and at second glance I've realised maybe that's not appropriate. Maybe I should take that down. Um, cancel culture is a big thing. So that's I think that's a really, really interesting point. You know, I made mention earlier on the kind of the, the history and legacy of Scottish comedic comedy, particularly in, in Glasgow, um, working class roots, some of the, the toughest, gnarliest people ever to walk the face of the earth. Yep. And some of them ended up being comedians because they were naturally funny, but they were prepared to talk about things that I, now in 2022... Couldn't go near it. It's strange. and I, I, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's both. I think we're, we're far too protective at the minute over certain things that makes it really hard to make jokes about. Um... We have a sketch called Toriettes, which is, it's uh, effectively, can I go into this? Am I allowed to talk mm. about it? It's effectively um, a closet Tory voter. And I was I was writing about Giffnuck when I wrote this sketch. It's basically about like closet Tory voters who um, are, essentially, you, you mix it with Tourette's syndrome and they're voicing their, their opinion. So on the surface, he looks like an SNP supporter, but inside he's, he's a Tory. It's a joke that people would would make about me being from, from Giffnock. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of exploiting what that felt like. Um, 
I'm not a Tory, by the way, just so I would clarify that. <laughs> but but my, my point being, my point being, um, even things like that, they, four years ago, didn't see backlash, but you see now, yeah, you get a lot of people who are like, is this appropriate? Should you be doing that? Are you not exploiting, um, or are you not taking the mick out of people with Tourette's? And I'm like, well, no, because it's surface. In my head, I'm like, yeah, well, it's yeah. surface level. There's a reason for it. If you can just, I think if you can justify anything as a comedian, that should be enough. It's not like you're sitting there like this is your opinion. It's th- mm. this is you know it's it's comedy, and I think if you can justify a reasoning for a joke, you should be allowed to. And I think that the the whole the way the internet obviously nothing ever dies in the internet, eh? So even if even if you delete a TikTok or an Instagram reel, still it's, it's still somebody's yeah. got it somewhere. Or even if you've done it at a show and somebody's been recording at the show, it's almost impossible to. You know, you, you can't ever get away from. And, and I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but a problematic joke, yep. and I don't like terms like problematic, because who's who determines, who's who's the, you know, who are the judge and the the jury on what is problematic and what is, what you're allowed to 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 joke about. As I say, it used to be in comedy. You know, it was pretty much no holds barred. Yeah, but I think that's why usually when when people end up getting cancelled, it's off the back of some form of scandal. That leads to them questioning the material that they've done. Yeah. Because that stuff has been sitting there for years. Mm. But yeah, it only comes to light now. Yeah. Because somebody's got an issue with it. And the reason they've got... And usually, you know, I, I don't know if this is true, but sometimes if it's if it's journalists that have caught the end of something, I sometimes wonder how long have they known about this for. Yeah. Now, let's just take a quick break from our conversation to remind you that you can learn more about the studio where the podcast is recorded at podcaststudioglasgow.com and there you can book the studio space to come and record your podcast using all of the facilities that we have here at our fingertips. Additionally, if you want to bring in remote guests, we've got software in place that produces the best possible quality audio and video recording at your remote guest's end, which then allows you to bring that into your final podcast mix. So to learn more about the podcast studio, just visit podcaststudioglasgow.com. Let's get back to the conversation. I've held the opinion for years that, you know, there's folk that work at newspapers or news outlets, whether it's Glasgow Live, and I'm not going to give them a pass. A lot of people give Glasgow Live a pass. I don't give Glasgow Live a pass. Um, but I think there's people who work at these news organisations and their job is to go through, you know, notable or on the the cusp of being notable British people or Scottish people and just look for problematic content and then sit on it. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you get, you get a YouTuber, he'll end up in, you know, you go to the Big Brother house or he'll end up and I'm a celebrity um, and nobody's really heard them apart from his, you know, pre-teen YouTube audience. And then all of a sudden, tweets that he... Tweeted when he was 12 or 13. Resurfacing. How did that happen? That's because somebody's methodically gone through. So I think that poses a great risk to a young, and I I don't mean it to to sound patronising, but maybe more of a risk to a young comedian who's on the the way up rather than your established ones who have the so-called F-off money and they can pretty much do and say almost what they please. Yeah, and I think that's why I think... And I was kind of aware of that when going into it. And I think that's kind of why any of the skits or song stuff, whatever, 
It's all under an alias. Mm. You can't actually say that those are the the views withheld by the individual. And yeah. I've always done that. And the reason I've always done things under an alias or under like a character is for that reason. It's a performance. Yeah. It's a character. You can have it. You can take issue with the sketch, but you can't take issue with the individual. Mm. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's creative license. And if there is a real, it's why I think a lot of comedians that they come under fire for tweets, but it's harder for them in a way for stand-ups because it's their name that's that's tied to it. And I'm not sitting there making tweets. I like as far as private life goes, I like to keep it pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty off the cuff, like uh, off the cuff, kind of sorry to myself, kind of off yeah. the, off the table. Um. But with the comedy stuff, I'm aware that that's open, and I, and I know that it's why if it ever does, if it ever did, and I don't think it will, but if it did ever come to that, that's kind of your the angle I'd take is well at the time this was such and such because it will keep going, it's going to keep going like that. Yeah. Um. As far as the pendulum will swing back though. Yeah. I think it will swing yeah. back to sort of late sixties, <clears throat> early seventies, at some point era, and you know whether that's a good thing, but me people's toes might curl at the thought of some of the stuff. That uh, used to be regarded as, as acceptable, but uh, it's just the way we work as society. We, we eventually swing back the other way. Well, in some ways, it is. I mean, I look at what some of these kids online are getting exposed to, like via TikTok and stuff, and I'm like, this is dark. Yeah. Like, I was not seeing stuff like this when I was 12, 13 years old. And you're right, it's one of those moments where it seems like we're taking steps back. Mm. Um, and I think that will continue. Yeah. I happen. mean, you've got the, we're not going to dive into the politics of all, but you've got the online harms bill. And uh, again, it's like, who who decides what is harmful to me? What might be harmful to me might not be harmful to you and vice versa. And that applies to comedy. Um, I mean, there's obviously, there's a lot of well-established household name comedians who believe that there's nothing off the table when it comes to, to comedy. You know, oh, you can't make a joke about that. Their response would be, of course yeah. you can. And here's <clears> a joke <throat> about it. Um, what's your take on that as a young Scottish comedian? I think you've you've kind of... Can you repeat it one more time and then I'll see if I can... Yeah, yeah, so the, the, the idea being that, you know, in, in society there'll be certain topics that, that certain sections of society will say, oh, you can't joke about that. But I sort of... An established comedian, I'm thinking of somebody like Ricky Gervais to, to keep They'll it in do Britain. It. Yeah. He'll say, no, of course you can. And he'll make a joke about it. From your standpoint as a 25-year-old comedian on the road up, would you ever dare to follow that? No, I, I think at the, it's it's a difficult one. I think it depends what you think is within your line or where you see your trajectory going. And that's not me trying to be big-headed by being like, well, you know, the hopes are more more of the BBC stuff. And, there, and you know, there's ties there. And it's like, I, you don't, you have to think about that stuff and you have to be cautious of yeah. your image. And I think I would never, and even before any of that, I, I would never have started to, as far as I'm concerned, really push a subject that I didn't really know anything about unless it's surface. Because as, as, as I've, you know, me and the boys make a point of, it's, Anything that we do that's remotely to do with Scotland, it's really not to do with Scotland. At the same time, okay. it's it's the it's the location, but most of the sketches are, you could take out. Yeah, universal. They could be pretty universal yeah, in yeah. that sense, yeah. and, and even if they're not, it's a highlight of some of the. I have a song called Scotch Pie. It's like yeah. you can't really get more Scottish yeah. than that. But at the end of the day, that premise of 
like a deep fried pie. You could take anywhere, yeah. and you could change that, yeah. and you could do something do, local, exactly. And it's and I think that's all it's trying to do is just highlight things, um, without really causing offence. Because I think there is as much as as much as there is cancel culture and people scared to to venture into things. We still do have a lot of like, if you want somebody who's all about the dark humour, you're gonna get it. Yep. If you want it, you'll find them. No, the the, the immediate name, and I think it I think it crosses both sort of the the dark stuff, but also an involvement with the BBC has got to be Frankie Boyle. It has to be. Yep. I mean, some of his <clears throat> crowd work that's that's you know on his DVD specials is some of the darkest comedy. When I saw it at the time, I'd heard since maybe I don't know late eighties, circa Bill Hicks, where he was just tearing into people in the audience. Some of the stuff Frankie Boyle has has said, some of the stuff he's joked about. But I noticed that he did go through a transitional period to make himself a wee bit more palatable to the BBC. Yep. So, you know, from from the point of view of, in, of integrity, and I'm not trying to say you call, I'm not trying to back you into a corner where you call Frankie Boyle out, but from your point of view, does personal integrity come into it, whereby you feel, well, I've got a joke I feel I want to make about this, but I'm going to hold myself back because I don't want to alienate myself from the mainstream. I think <clears throat> a lot of it comes down to what your personal taste is mm. and humour. I think I'm fairly observational, but it's quite it's more it's more outlandish than anything else. It's a bit it's not really like real life. Yeah, it's absurdist almost. It's more absurd. Yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it. So I don't know if I if I could truly say I fit into that bracket because it's not something that really interests me to be like that. Um, but for guys like Frankie Boyle, the difference is he's Frank. As as we've said, he's Frankie Boyle. He can say what he likes. Yeah, you know, he's got that F off. He's already money, got probably. it. He's got it. He's got yeah. it. Um, so for him, he can he can do whatever he wants. But I think for somebody who's maybe my my age, trying to do the Frankie Boyle kind of route, whether it's political comedian or or whatever, I, I can imagine it's fairly challenging. Yeah. Probably a lot more challenging than I find it. Because as I said, I've got the I've got the alias. I've got the whole. Mm. This is an act I can jump onto. Yeah. A lot of these guys can't do that. Yeah, I remember um, reading Lemmy's um, biography, autobiography, and he talked about some of the some of the sketches in his show. Where upon later viewing, you know, in the last couple of years, um, he was uncomfortable with them. Um, and I think he talked about in, in the book about some tweets that he, he went back and deleted tweets. And I remember when I read that being pretty shocked. And it's not to say he's outrageous, he's absurdist. But even he felt in the absurd world of Lemmy's mind that he brought to the screen via the BBC, there was still some bits he was like, yeah. I'm not sure about that anymore. And that's via the BBC as well. So it's... And they're it thorough. must have been all right at the time. Yeah, but that's that's just it. And, it, and it's like even... And that's like the same with me with even two years later some of these videos. It's only two years ago some of these sketches that I'm like the same. I'm like, I can't believe. And you look at it, you're like, it did well. Like some of these things did really well and they get views and they get likes and stuff, but you can't appreciate that because in your head you're like, it's either you've grown from it personally or the, the, maybe the narrative has changed. Um, and for those reasons you're like, this can't. Why did I do that? Yeah, but I think you you still need to allow people to have that. You still need to allow people to make those mistakes and, and to and to grow. And I don't think you can fault anybody who wants to go out there and, and try and make a name for themselves yeah, yeah. in in any career. No, I think I think that there's that there's a there's a strange expectation that you know 
kids finish school, go to uni and come out, they finished article at 21, yep. 22 years of age. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And there's, there's something that's really, really important in, in the progress of becoming, you know, in, in our case, men, where we are, we do make mistakes and we hold mm. our hands up to mistakes and, and we, we commit ourselves to learning from them, whether it's in our life, our personal lives or whether it's in our career. So, yeah, I mean, you've made, you know, you're saying you're looking back a few of the videos and you're like, I'm not too sure about that, but that's part of the tapestry of who you are now. Yeah. And it will probably continue to be like that. And I think, you know, people, one of, there's a comedian actually called Raymond Mearns. That name rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. Um, Raymond, he's at the stand quite a lot. He's a brilliant Scottish comedian, you know, one of the best at what he does. Um, he gave me a really good piece of advice recently, which was, uh, you know, Gregor, at, at the heart of everything, it's like, just just be real. Like, no matter what you do, be real about it, be be unique, just be be yourself. Um, with anything that you do. And at first I was a little bit like, oh, what does he mean by that? You know, does he mean like, oh, I'm not being like that or, you know, and, and it, I don't, and that's not what he meant. I, I thought about it and I'm like, no, what he's, what he's saying to you is, you know, you're going to have to come face to face with these challenges mm-hmm. as the sort of stuff that we're talking about. And if it each, it, through each one of them, you can at least be that version of yourself at the time that you were happy with and that's all you can ask for. Yeah. Um, I just looked him up there. I, I do know him. He's really funny. We saw him at the we saw him at the, the fringe four or five years ago, oh, and brilliant. his crowd work was just his whole show was. Yes, he marketed it as basically one hundred percent crowd work, but he was very clever in running, you know, um, sketches, no sketches, running jokes, a part of his routine yeah. in between the sort of parts where the audience were maybe not giving him too much. Um, Brutal, brutal though. Oh. So funny, but brutal with it. <clears throat> which is that's kind of my favourite type of comedy, to be honest. Yeah, you. he was in Lemmy's show. He was. He was yeah. in season one. He was. Yeah. 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 Um, aye, that's that's, that's aye. Uh, getting advice from somebody like that. I mean, he's been around the block. Yeah. Um, and he's got a bit of bite to his comedy as well. So I'm sure he's had a bit of pushback. Aye, he's had you know? his, his, you know, he's had a career of it. So yeah. he totally knows. But you think though, you know, if you take Raymond's generation of comedy, um. Which is maybe you know a couple of generations separated from your generation of comedy, he would have learned what was sort of acceptable to the audience or questionable not actually from a live audience. You know when a joke dies, when it, when it, when it completely bombs and you're met with silence, you're met with a oh mate, and then you've got to rethink. But you guys, you don't have that. You just get flagged or yeah. cancelled or. And it's yeah. much more, his his feedback would have been much more immediate, whereas yours would drip out over like a few hours or days until you get that horrible sweaty palms, you know, that the hairs in the back of your neck going, oh, I've messed up with that post or that particular joke. I'm not saying that's happened to you. It has happened Right, yeah. okay, no, tell us a story. Well, <laughs> in, a, in a different kind of way, nothing offensive, but I had made a joke that I thought was hilarious at the time and I ended up getting... The, vid- the video went kind of viral. So basically, I'd, I'd, I'd done a video <clears throat> where I was trying to get engagement up. So I was like, try not to laugh challenge. And I sat and said the words poo willy bum fart about 10 different times, just in 10 different ways. Because when I, and, and, and the only reason I thought of this is because when I was younger, my mum used to say it to me all the time and I couldn't keep a straight face. So it came off the back of a nostalgic, you know, experience. It had nothing to do with me thinking I was funny, but it's because I'd said, try not to laugh at the start of it. And you're opening 
that you're opening that kind of uh, placement for people to like take the mic out of you. Mm. So I'd had this big thing on TikTok, which is like duetting videos. So people yeah, would yeah. go side by side and everyone would do it and just be like, this is the unfunniest guy I've ever seen. I can't believe he thinks that this is Scottish comedy. This is embarrassing. And you're, you're opening that thing and I'm like, yeah. all right, you're, you're, you're taking a, f- a five second thing I've done and you're basing that off a career. Yeah. Uh, so I took it down when it, when it was up. And it's the first, I think I've maybe done that once or twice, but that was a big prominent one for me that was like, wow, like it doesn't matter what you think you're, you're doing it at some point you will do something that yeah. just doesn't sit there. And, it, and, it's, and it's, it's it's probably as innocuous as that was but it's that feedback and the feedback can grow arms and legs on a social media platform like TikTok yeah. and become a bit overwhelming as you said people could then you know they see your face on a poster outside a venue and I'm not going to go and see that guy because I saw that thing in TikTok and he was mince 100% and, and that's it's part of the it's why this whole thing's a double-edged sword because I know for a fact I've you know I've met people I've met people on nights out and stuff who predominantly it's it's really nice feedback but sometimes you will meet people who are like and I'll change the phrasing of what they actually said to make this more PG <laughs> um, they were like mate like you seem like a nice guy but see that stuff you do that's rubbish um <laughs> That's much nicer than what he yeah, said, but, no, it's but a, I can imagine. Yeah, that. and and I'm like, all right, well, and, and I'll I'll always be open to it because at the end of the day, comedy is subjective. <clears throat> um, but I but I always have this thing if I if I don't personally find somebody funny, I can at least appreciate what it is that they're doing mm. if they are doing it to a level that's that's become like like for example, if somebody's coming onto my radar who I don't find funny, but they've come onto my radar and I've seen them more than once or twice, it's because they're obviously doing something yeah right. exactly and other people yeah, you they, say, subjectively yeah. find their comedy enjoyable and I think that's can, that can be hard and I don't know why but particularly in Scotland I feel like that can be hard for people they don't like that if that's the case and, and people can have a lot and I think it's because Scotland has such a bright comedy um, scene and it always has and I think for that reason <clears> that we, we are massive critics in Scotland when it comes to comedy yeah. and that's why it's both really flattering and also quite can be quite intimidating at times. Do you think that's got to do though with the whole concept of the funny uncle or the funny cousin? You know, everybody's got one that at a party or at a night out or you just pop around to see them and they've got you cracked up from the minute you walk in the door. And I don't know whether other cultures or other countries have got that element where, you know, Scotland can produce really brutal down to earth funny people. Now, give them a microphone to to stand on a stage, they wouldn't be able to do it. But in the informal setting of the family home or a car journey, they can have you in stitches. And I don't, I, I've never experienced that anywhere else. I think you're on, I think you're on to something with that. I think that's entirely it. And I think with those, you know, that same idea, it's also the ability to make self-deprecation flattering. And there's nobody else who oh, quite does that like the Scots. And it doesn't best. matter where you are in Scotland, everybody has that. Yep. And and I think, you know, it must come down to things like history and treatment and, and the way that Scotland has been as a small nation throughout the years, that we've always been the little guy mm. in everything. But that has impacted the kind of, the sort of ability to, to kind of, to, to make fun of yourself in a way that is not, neither is it, um, you feel sorry for them. It's just... It's flattering yeah. and people like it. And, and to to have a bit of that, to be a bit self-deprecating is like a very mm. flattering thing. Um, 
and people can rejoice and relate to it in a way that I don't think quite resonates as well in America or resonates quite as well elsewhere because maybe they're more proud. Mm-hmm. And, and we are, but we're, we're proud of admitting that things aren't always fantastic. I think but that's just something I've noticed that I do think, no, I think we're very good at that. I think you're right. Um, I think that the self-deprecating thing, you know, I'm sure it is part of our history to make jokes and make light of things like infant mortality, poverty. You know, we probably had to do it just to cope. Mm. And, and through, you know, survival of the fittest, we've developed a nation where the general, in any segment of the general population, you can pull one or two people out and they'll be really, really funny. But, and I'll say it again, the key difference is from yourself bumping into somebody in a night out and they go, I, I, I wasn't too great, mate, because they're probably thinking, well, my cousin John, he's funnier than him, right? But the thing is, you hand them a phone or a camera or a microphone, his cousin John, and they can't formulate a sketch. They don't understand pacing punchline they maybe don't know how to film it cut things together and that's the difference yeah there's a lot there's a lot <clears throat> and that's the whole business side of it exactly there's just so many market because I, I spoke to Gary Meikle about this recently and, and he'd said um, you know there, there's a lot of guys like me on the comedy scene there's a lot of people who are not too different but how you stand out from the rest is you, you build that platform you, you build a reason for why people would want to know you mm. And and it was that kind of what he said to me, which kind of, you know, I, I always say to him that that's kind of what I hope I'm doing, which is you, you keep that individualism and that thing that people will recognise you for, whether it's the songs or whether it's the 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 really outlandish sketches. Because I do get a lot of comparison to Lemmy. Obviously, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, this is just like, this is just a bit like Lemmy or it's, you know, it's, it's and some people love that, some people don't. But as long as you have something that you think is keeping you unique, and yeah. and that will grow, that will grow if you can, if you can, you know, get the editing right and get the videos done. It's just extra work. But well, that was going to be one of my questions, you know. So talk me through making a, a, a TikTok video. So the, the you know you you did a series where it was Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, that type of thing. Yeah. So talk me through the process. I came up with that idea to to filming it. What does that process look like? So I think with with the, with the movie stuff, most of that. See, these days I, I haven't actually, I don't post much on TikTok anymore because I don't really have the time, because it takes a lot of time. Um, but the process to doing that for me, again, it came from a place of I was actually pretty unhappy during lockdown, laterally, and uh, I found myself binging movies all the time. And it was when I was just binging series that I'd seen a million times over that I started having these like quirky ideas for yeah. how how I could put my own spin on it. And, it, and that's how it started. And, and subconsciously, it kind of TikTok actually kind of helped me get through that mm. in a weird yeah. sort of way. It was quite therapeutic. So I always look at it like that. I never looked at it like, oh, this is about growing a business. And as much as it was, and that's what brought me on there initially, it became like a oh, this is a nice thing to do because it's keeping me busy and it's it's got progression in it. So would you do, would you devote a day to it? You know, you spent the night before binge watching, let's say, Harry Potter. Would you devote the following day to it? Would you wake up with an idea in your head and go, I'm going to make this into a comedy sketch? I think because I'd already been writing by that point. Right. That I, I kind of already knew how to... For me, a lot of the jokes came from on the spot. That's the brilliant thing about TikTok. You... You press play and then you pause it as soon as you've got one line out. Right. 
So I wouldn't just do one character and then switch to the other character. I know I was doing one character, then I'd switch costume, go into the other character. It would take me like three hours <laughs> yeah, by the end of it sometimes. Wow. But I did it that way because for me it was it was like I was, and I know this sounds so sad, but especially during lockdown, it was like I was having a conversation with, you know, these these other characters that, yeah, that yeah. weren't there, even though it was just me talking to myself, but in different. I think we all went through a little bit of kind of, and I'm choosing my words carefully, but a little bit of a kind of existential thing. Hundred percent. And, and yeah, we, yeah. we all maybe acted a wee bit out of character. Yeah. Some to their benefit, some to their detriment. Hundred percent. But you know that that experience of you know just feeling you've got to do something, you've got to make something, and you feel like you're interacting. If it did you good, it did you good. And that was it. It was. It was, it was super therapeutic, and I think that's why my my opinion of all that stuff it, it will always stem back to just make sure that whatever you're doing you're doing it for the right reasons you're doing it because you make sure you feel happy mm. it's not so much about the content it doesn't matter what the content is as long as you're doing it because there's a, a real reason a drive for you to want to do it whether it's to help yourself or whether it's to you know show people what you can do it's, mm. it's all relevant as long as it's got pure intention i think that's the reason for doing it so is it the um the BBC comedy, what's it called? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's escaped my mind. The comedy short stuff. Unit. Yeah, right. So there's the comedy unit. There's loads of them. I, f- I found out. Yeah, yeah. So there's comedy unit. There's BBC Studios. There's BBC Scotland, who kind of commission from both of them. Okay. And then you've got you've you've got other. You've got like the BBC Social as well. Um, are we talking? Are we moving on to online stuff with BBC? Whatever, I just I know I know you've got an involvement with the BBC. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I was wanting to just that came from that, the, the well, movie stuff, right? Okay, that that's yeah. what I, that's what I suspected. Yeah. So you've confirmed it. Okay. So yeah, I mean, isn't that really interesting then? That a time when it was probably quite a dark time in your life. It was a dark time in a lot of our lives. We were socially isolated, um, and and whatever it is that that tweaks in a creative person's brain, fired up, and you made stuff. Mm during a time where you probably felt a bit crap but you made stuff and that led on to decent opportunities yeah yeah I mean it's kept me very busy I think that's and that's the other thing I realised you know when you leave uni or when you leave like let's say drama school right for those who went you get built in with this mindset any in any creative field I'm sure that once you leave that's it, you've got to go ahead then. It's all about drive, it's commitment. You've mm. got to be wanting to take everything that falls at your door. And I've been doing that for so long that I I think I'd... Well, I've been doing it for two years and then lockdown happened, but I, I think I'd kind of warped myself into thinking like that's how things need to be. You have to constantly try and get noticed by other people. And then lockdown hit and I realised I don't need to be like that anymore. I can relax. And then started doing the online stuff and you realize you can you can do it on your own but i'd lost that thing of what we were just bringing it back to that i'd lost that thing of thinking oh this could lead to other opportunities i always knew it was beneficial i knew the views were great and i knew that when the live scene returned it would help with shows i hadn't really ever thought about the prospect of that being seen by those people i would never have said it wouldn't have been but i never would have thought it would have moved in the way that it did um so it is interesting. It's a weird, it's a weird one. So who contacted you then off the back of those videos? So it's it's funny because it's actually a, it's a director that I'd worked with over lockdown. Um, I'd done a short film with him about 
six or seven months prior to all this and he'd I'd started sharing that stuff on Instagram in the time of which he'd just started getting some short stuff uh, he'd, he'd like gone in and directed some stuff and, and put his own scripts on so then he'd seen it and then he was like alright this is interesting and then he'd gone on and seen the other stuff and he was like okay that we need to collaborate on something I had a back catalogue of sketches anyway sent them across um he was like, okay, I think I can get us a, a pitch for two of these. I think I can see if they'll take them. And then they took wow. them straight away. I didn't have to change anything. They were just like, yeah, we want these. So after the first two, it kind of got me in the door with them. I got speaking to the team at BBC Studios and kind of got working with them just on more short stuff ideas. And then the uh, the Gary Meikle thing came about. I don't know if you've seen that. I do like a dad and son. No, I've not yeah, seen that. It's a series of... Um, is, it, is it just you? Do you play both parts? No, no. I've, uh, Gary plays my my dad. Right, and I'm not seeing him. Right, okay. And the whole premise of that is like, uh, what I'm, what I'm trying to do with those two characters is show that a happy family is not defined by what we still see as the norm, which is a mum, dad, and a brother and a sister. Mm. It's you know that's changing. One in two, I will not rant too much, but one in two um, marriages end in divorce, right? So. The narrative kind of needs to change on what's yeah. defined as a happy it's very family. Outdated, that narrative. Yeah, completely, completely, and that's why I think we, we we were trying to create something that was quite pure and heartwarming with that. Um, and they liked the idea, and they they kept commissioning it. So, um, and there's some stuff going on with that. I'm not too sure if I don't I don't really know what's happening with it yet. But if you know that could be like a good, yeah. a nice step. Um, Are we talking sitcom? We're talking full blown six not, part. Well, that's, <laughs> well, I think the hope is that we can, we can see if we can get the pilot first. Yeah. Um, but we're getting quite far in the stages of that. So really good. But it is, but it's stuff like that that you know never would have came if I hadn't started. To, and that's all within a year, right? So let's let's just pause on that, and we will get back to to the BBC stuff in, in a second. Um, I think, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm flogging a dead horse, but there is something in the moment where you decided to get your phone camera and make sketches for a social network was there a, a, apart from you know your theatre background and the, and the training that you've received was there no voice in the back of your head saying Gregor what are you doing or was it just do you, like do you not have that voice what what to have said why am I doing this what are you doing man what yeah. are you doing that's what are you doing I that's did have some... that and right. I had people who would tell me that right, as well okay. whether so why did you sorry to interrupt but I've, I want to get to this why did you ignore it because I think sometimes you've got to go with your gut. And I think at that moment in time, my gut was telling me that I'm seeing these other people do it. You know, coming out with sketches and, and all this. And I'm like, I can do that stuff. I yeah. know that I can do that stuff. I know I've got those thoughts. So I never want to be one of those people that sits there and says, well, I could have done that. They're the worst. They are. But I, I sometimes get people's reasoning for it. For me personally, it's not it's not what I I I don't work that way, and, and I would hate to be that person who sits there and goes, "Well, I could have done that," you know. So um, so I did it, and it was it was hard, and and I did I got I faced a lot of like you know, like I've had conversations with my best mates who who really don't like it, they really don't like it, they they totally don't um, they don't find the online stuff funny, they always like the live stuff. Mm. But then the more and more that I was doing it, 
and the recognition started following behind it. A lot of them started not saying that they enjoyed it or would watch it, but they can appreciate it. Yeah. And then yeah. it's always funny on like nights out and stuff where like if folk come up for a photo or whatever, and then that's yeah. my pals now. Here he goes again. But you need you need those people in your life. Yeah, I'll keep you, you grounded. Need that. You need that. I think I think that's that, that's what I wanted to get to the bottom of. You know, because whether it's comedy, whether it's business, whether it's you know a relationship, whatever it may be, we, we all we all get to points where it's like I feel I need to do something. I feel I need to do something here, and our initial gut will tell us to do something that our brain will almost immediately kick in and say, no, 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 you don't want to do that because you may get laughed at, because it might not work, because what on earth are you thinking about? And I just think it's interesting that here's another, and you know, I've, and I've heard a lot of examples of that. Here's another one where we've got somebody who was in a bit of a spot, lockdown, you know, the social isolation. I'm going to make, I'm going to make some daft videos for, and that's not to decry them, but you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's what it was. It's not full Hollywood mm. production and all that. I'm yeah. going to make some daft videos on my phone and put it out there. But it, it, then that decision um, led to probably much more tangible, solid results. It kind of essentially, yeah, it altered a career path slightly ever so slightly because it was the same things that I was still trying to achieve but I think it, it almost it helped that a lot because um, I, I think that, that you know, and this, this is my generation I think you know um, you know I would look at I used to, to to consult with businesses on their social media use and they would go oh, we get 25 likes in that post and my response would be but how many sales did you get so you know the, the intangibles of that got 4,000 likes and 300 shares and 500 comments that's fantastic Gregor yeah right? but then you could say yeah. ah but it also led to the BBC knocking at yeah, my door yeah. via this director guy I knew and it's opened up all these other opportunities to which I would say right that's really really interesting yeah but at what point do people start showing an interest then because it's and, and that and that's what I was always trying to tell myself which is well what's the interesting thing about this because if the views and, and the whatnot kept going but I didn't have any sort of ambition. Well, not ambition, but I didn't really know where else it could go. I would have just kept striving towards growing and growing and growing. Now, I know for some people that really works, but I never actually seen myself as a content creator. I don't like really using that term. I, I just saw it as that was something to do. And I have the same thought as you, which is like, well, how many sales does that lead to? I get the same with tickets. We'll put videos up and they'll get like 400, 500,000 views. And we sold two tickets off the back of it. And you wonder, you're like, why has that happened? And it's all about having to, um, you have to, but you have, the thing is they all benefit each other because the 500,000 views yeah, brings yeah. in 5,000 new people at the page. Yep. Somebody is bound to stick along for the Absolutely. ride. Absolutely. Yeah. So they Absolutely. all, they all benefit so you're playing each the other. long game then. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think I've been able to kind of step off a little bit with how many videos I post. Cause it did get to a point. It got quite, competitive like I was constantly like oh this hasn't got enough views <laughs> and it would have had like a hundred thousand and I would have been like oh but it deserves six hundred thousand and it's like that's unhealthy yeah so yeah. now I've been able to take a step off and kind of look at the bigger the bigger picture of it all and being like they all help each other two bits and you know do bits when you can and, and then work on it that way so random question how did you manage to keep the white jeans clean in the scotch pie video because you were going mad with that ketchup <laughs> that, was, that was a one take. Really? Yeah, we only had the one take because I couldn't. You only had one pair of white jeans. Yeah, each. yeah, and mine were um, mine were actually a woman's size. Oh yeah, please, thanks. Um, 
we went into Primark and they had two pairs of white men's jeans and then <laughs> the other were, were girls. Right. So mine were like super, super tight. Um, and the zip had actually, I think in the video you can see it, the zip's already <coughs> broken. It's already broke off. So, uh, yeah, it was one take. We knew that we could only do that bit. But that's part of the beauty of it is things like that, knowing you've not, you don't have the production team, you don't have any of that stuff, and you've got to kind of throw it together. And, and um, I think it's, it's, I remember the state that we'd left. Well, we didn't leave it, we tidied it up. <laughs> but once we'd filmed it in, in this little... Um, part of Loch Lomond just how messy it was and we're like sitting Scotch there. pies floating in the loch yeah there was I. <laughs> there actually was um, but yeah so over the next five years then where do you feel your priorities lie of it you know I, I could if, if you'd like I'll simplify your life for you <laughs> you've got the online stuff the online comedy we've, we've, you've got uh, what do you think of that and then you've got your own stuff that you're developing maybe with, with Gary or, or the BBC you know over the next five years leading up to your 30th where do you see the three of them going? It's really interesting you know because my <clears throat> I actually think at the minute with, with how busy we are like live shows are all the time like every week. I mean, this week we've got five shows this week. Because you're up in Aberdeen soon, Yeah, we're you? up in Aberdeen for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, we're in Glasgow Sunday night and then we're headlining Edinburgh Wednesday night. And some of those days, it's two show days. And it's it's great. That's two years ago, that's all I ever would have wanted mm. was to be doing that. And you achieve that and then you're like, what do you want? Now, what do you, you want to... Mm. And you, you start to realise, I, I think for me, if, okay, if it, was, if it was about career in five years' time, I would like to not be doing another job. Cause I still have to teach at the mm. minute. So I'd like to not be doing that. Um, I reckon that's more achievable. I reckon I can do that within five. I would like to have had a sitcom out that I've written. Mm -hmm. That's really important for me. If I can get something a bit more concrete, because the beauty of, of, of long-form comedy, there's more subtleties and, and more room to show off your imagination than doing like a 15, 20-second TikTok video mm, which is yeah. all about gags and that for me right now especially being the age that I am that's kind of the step I want to take which is just to kind of show like listen you know you might know me from such and such or that I've done this you might not like that whatever but you might like this yeah. this is longer form this is it shows more more to it so so for me it would, it would be to do that it would be to get a and it's the goal that any Scottish comedian would say, I'm sure. But to get the, to get me and the boys into the hydro, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went and saw Still Game uh, live, the last one they ever done. And I know Michael Hines quite well, the director. So I went to their after party for it, and um, I remember him saying to me, "He's like, you know, you could be doing this." And I'm just <laughs> sat there like laughing at it, like, "Oh, that's just you know the nicest thing you could say." But and I was like, "No way in a million years could I ever do that." And then you think about it, and you're like, "Well, why not?" Why couldn't you do it? You know, there's there's yeah, every yeah. reason to suggest that maybe I could one day, but I would never put... I, five years is a bit too soon. Maybe 10. <laughs> it's, it's good to have a goal. It's good yeah, to, yeah. to dream for these things. I mean, I'm sure um, Greg, and I can't remember the other guy's name, Kieran. Greg and Ford, yeah. Greg yeah. and Ford. I mean, they were, they were sketch writers back in the 80s, the late 80s. They would never have dreamed of having a successful TV show that would produce a spin-off theatre run that just sold out night after night after night in their yeah. home city. So yeah, there's no harm in having these dreams. No, there's you know? not. There's not, and I think that's why. As long as, I think as long as you just, if so, I think for me then, as long as I can just enjoy it for the next five years, anything that I'm doing, I, I, I think I'm really passionate about it, and it's, 
something I want to progress. Like Panto's the other thing I really mm. want to get back into. And, yeah. And doing that. Oh yeah, I'd love the what's his name? John uh, Johnny uh guy does all the King's Pantos. Um what's his name? We shall find it. But doing all that kind of stuff. Like Des Clark had done panto for years and and all that um sort of kind of comedy but like a bit more child friendly I'd love to do like Pant at the Kings yeah. or something yeah that'd be a dream to do that um, I don't know it's a bit of a hop skip and a jump from TikTok and Instagram reels isn't it yeah I mean I'm sure I'll still keep doing that yeah I would love you know it's funny actually an idea that I, I want to take to the BBC at some point is to um, I don't know how much I can no I can't I'll talk about it I don't mind I'd love to create like a series that is fu- fully done on, like kind of like Lemmy's Homemade Show, mm. but a bit more adapted to the online market. So it wouldn't go on to like BBC Scotland, but it would be them having their own TikTok channel. Yeah. And you do these series yeah, yeah. of like, because I think that's, to me, that feels like a platform that needs to be utilized yeah. more by production companies. Um, like in my head, I totally see like Channel 4 having like a, a TikTok account where they just, hire people in to make TikToks like that would be yeah yeah I mean I don't see why not I mean Vine you'll remember Vine Vine was was uh, used you know got used by some incredibly creative people who had full production setups and some of the stuff they were able to do in Vine was was absolutely amazing I mean in, you know the Vine part of the conversation probably should have come right back at the start because that was part of I'm sure the journey of up for yourself and a lot of other young guys who are interested in comedy. I can think of one just sitting over there that used to do a lot of vines um, because it was accessible. It was easy, six seconds, you know. In fact, I think a couple of Lemmy's characters that he did in his homemade show came from vines. Yeah, Lemmy's vines. The, the, yeah, the alcoholic yeah. painter and decorator. But it's that beauty as well that, which I think we're realizing more and more these days, is that you really don't need any budget to be making. Yeah the sort of content that you'd want to make. And I, I was in chatting to some uh, kids that were at my old college recently and they were talking about this stuff. And, and I said to them, I was like, listen, it's never an excuse for you to turn around and be like, but I don't have access to the equipment. I don't have all... Yes, you do. You you have better cameras these days than they've ever had before. Yeah, it's true. And you've got it. <clears throat> you've got yep. it. You can sit there and you can make this content. And I, and I think if, if ever you're in a position where you, you can do it. Learn learn the little things you need to learn to do it. I mean, TikTok's so easy. Like I know I know guys who like sit and they record full albums on their phones, like on GarageBand. Really? Oh stuff yeah, like yeah, yeah, GarageBand, yeah, yeah. And even at that, they they've worked it to a point where it sounds incredible. Yeah. Technology's mental these days, and I think people just yeah, so many people can just utilize it in a way that it's very beneficial. So we've got the technology in our pockets. The publishing platforms are free to use. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube. Yeah. You know, it's all there in front of us. And I think it just comes down to, as, as we wrap up, going back to that that wee voice at the back of the head that's like, nah, you don't want to do that, you don't want to do that. And maybe just now and again taking a punt and ignoring that voice and making something and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it. You, you've got to just, um, if it's... If you're passionate about anything, it doesn't matter if it's acting, if it's writing, or even something completely different. Um, it's good to question it at the same time because ultimately, if you stick with it, you will find that um, all the challenges that you're faced with along the way 
will be a lot more easy because you've you've always had to deal with that second yeah. guessing and you always will I don't think at any point that'll ever change in anyone's career you'll always kind of second guess things that you do but it's just important that ultimately you're passionate and you're driven and that's that's it that's good advice right where can people find you on all these social networks that we've been talking about so is this a down to camera moment yeah that'll be that one and not that one they're actually there yeah um, so you can find me on TikTok at Wee Mackay. Or if you want a bit more like kind of like this is more casual life updates kind of stuff, you can get me on Instagram at Gregor Mackay or over on Facebook, Instagram at Ouija Hinkalat, which is the kind of sketch comedy stuff. So yeah, any live shows, any of that stuff, you want to come come and have a have a chat afterwards, I'll be there. So Cool. It's a good way to sell tickets. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for coming out to the studio and chatting today. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Thanks for having good. me. Yeah, it's good stuff. Cheers.